podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Childs back here again for another show. Hope you are doing well on this Wednesday, the 8th of November. In today's show, Christopher Nkunku, potential return date. We'll get into that stuff because that's obviously huge for Chelsea this season. Going to talk about Pochettino, some of the deranged uh, reactions we saw last weekend before the Spurs game uh, surrounding his quotes. I want to say something about it still after the game because I would have made a video last week, but I wasn't able to. And then also another set of really bad reactions, just in terms of the praise Spurs have been getting. I want to give my thoughts on that and just how absolutely ludicrous some of the analysis analysis post-match has been for a game where Chelsea emphatically won 4-1 and the home team had two players sent off. Just incredible. And it just kind of sums up a couple of things that we'll get into of, of why just segments of football media just really frustrate me in this country. But we'll get into all of that. If you are new around here, please hit that like button because Chelsea are the best club in London. Hit that subscribe button too. Share the video. It's free to do so more people can be involved in the Son of Chelsea community. I also do want to say before we jump into today's show, another thing to mention from my incredible trip to New York was on the Wednesday I went to the Football Factory. It's kind of a, a bar, a downstairs bar within a bar, Legends in New York. And uh, that's where the New York Blues Chelsea fan group meet and watch games. And it was just such a wonderful experience. And if any of those are watching today, I just want to say thank you for a great experience for, for the chats, for the for the experiences, sharing memories. Uh, we took a cool photo at the end in front of the flag, the Chelsea flag down there. And it just gives you an appreciation, you know, someone who... You know, I was growing up going to Stamford Bridge, being very fortunate and blessed that I have been in, in a situation to live in the UK, to live in West London, to be able to go to Chelsea. It's really eye-opening to see how Chelsea is supported around the world. And uh, there's a lot of nonsense that we cover on this show and people are frustrated by in terms of like online divides. But I've always stated this. There are fans across the globe who love this club and they love it dearly and it was wonderful as well to to hear of the experiences of how regularly those New York Blues who live so far away from the UK go to games as well so um, real commitment and it was a fun experience of course Chelsea winning against Blackburn. We're going to start off with Christopher Nkunku obviously there is a lot of hope that he is on the verge of returning for Busy Romano reporting today that it looks like he won't be risked for the Man City game on Sunday. And as was kind of stated by Pochettino a couple of weeks back, I think before the Brentford game, it's more likely that he returns after the international break. So this is just really encouraging to me that the fact that they're even not going to risk him for Sunday, which could be tempting because it is another big game against a big club. But I think it's encouraging that he is back so soon. And I hope that because of all the injury setbacks we've had this season to players, that some lessons have been learned and managing that player who we know can be and was integral to Chelsea's attack. It sounds weird to say during preseason because, of course, it's not competitive games. But if you watch the preseason, the way we were set up, the way we moved the ball, how important Nkunku was to the way we built up and attacked. Hopefully, Nkunku can do that again this time in the Premier League and the Carabao Cup this season and 
and beyond for Chelsea because it's going to be huge, I think, when he returns. And also intriguing to see where he plays, you know, because Jackson is coming off the back of a hat trick. There's some discussion over midfield again, you know, are we playing Enzo in the right way? But I still do believe that he should be playing in the front three. I, I really do. I, I can still envisage a situation where Nkunku is central and you have Cole Palmer and Mikhailo Mudrik playing or Raheem Sterling. You know, I, I could I still think that it's very likely, but I I might be wrong. You may disagree. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. Two things now, and they're kind of tied together in similar ways in terms of Chelsea fans' reactions. Not really Spurs fans' reactions to the game, because what would he, what would you expect from Spurs fans, you know? But it's more like media reaction to Monday's game. So we'll start with Poch, right? Because I I didn't get a chance to cover this on the show in the preview and the run up to Monday's game, and I know it may seem easy to do it now, and it wouldn't have been easy if Chelsea had lost. But I was still set. You can go back on X on at Son of Chelsea. You can find my tweets. I was you know very clear on this even before a ball had been kicked that I thought the reaction to Pochettino's quotes pre-game were absolutely farcical and outrageous and just going way overboard and just lacked nuance. The idea that Pochettino, that it's not some grand revelation that Pochettino has positive feelings for Spurs in November 2023. Anyone trying to make out that they've they've caught Pochettino out and they've caught his supporters out and you've, you've uncovered something absolutely incredible that no one was thinking of before, no, it's it's the most obvious thing we all knew ahead of time. And I could have told you, I think I may have even mentioned it when Pochettino was appointed. This was the obvious thing, his link to Spurs and how that could potentially be used against him. It was, you know, there's that's my frustration with a lot of the discourse and criticism of coaches now. I'm not even sure I'd call this criticism. In terms of people, it feels like in, in ways want to be lied to at times, um, want coaches to come out and list off a bunch of catchphrases to make them feel better about the situation. But, you know, Chelsea are where they are. And Pochettino has, as much as he, I think, has done well in the sense that I think he tried to address that segment of Chelsea fans in terms of understanding the expectation level but then also seeing the results and some of the problems he's encountered so far this season that were not too dissimilar to say Graham Potter. Just in terms of results, I think Chelsea look a far better team than they did under Graham Potter, to be clear, in my opinion. But, you know, he's still kind of going back to that. It will take time. And, and these are things that people don't want to hear. And then they also don't want to hear the idea that Spurs are playing well this season or were playing well up to Monday, which they were. How people can have this anger towards coaches when they state basic reality things that they would admit themselves and also say to try and spite the coach in Chelsea. It's it's just so inconsistent. Are there ways in which he is not utilising players in the best way? What does the team look like? Is there things from, from a coaching perspective that Chelsea aren't doing well, you think, so far? Those are fair. Bringing up that he had a good connection with Spurs, I mean, again, it's just stating reality for me and if you if you are so triggered by that, just don't watch press conferences. Don't listen to him speak because it's quite clear that some people are really, really fragile and they just cannot take the idea that Pochettino might have some positive feelings for, yeah, a bitter rival. The other silly part of the reaction to Monday's game is some of the analysis I have seen from mainstream outlets trying to proclaim that Spurs somehow came out better than Chelsea on Monday. Now, you can watch my review back. I was critical of Chelsea's second-half performance. I still am. 
I don't think Chelsea handled the situation brilliantly. I think in terms of our inability to finish chances was my biggest problem and maybe rushing things in that situation. But at the end of the day, we still scored four goals on the evening. We still won the game comfortably and it still is a big win for Chelsea. Because I criticise Spurs, or sorry, Chelsea's poor finishing and that maybe we should have been ahead a little bit before and also the fact that Spurs still had chances after that, to me is more an indictment on Chelsea's defending and attacking and poor finishing rather than Spurs being amazing. Spurs were not amazing on Monday. And I think as people have rightly pointed out, when you go back and watch the game again, sure, they have a great like first 10, to be fair, maybe 15 minutes. But shortly after that first goal and when the, the Son goal doesn't get given, Chelsea soon come into the game. So the concept that it all completely changed once Romero was sent off is is a bit of a fuss because if you remember it, it takes till Romero's first red card or sorry the the, the red card that because he should have been sent off before then but Chelsea had two goals disallowed by that point we'd made some chances uh Jackson had forced the keeper in uh, Vicaro into a save as well so the idea that Chelsea had just absolutely done nothing is is just not true and as well, it was an implosion by Spurs. I don't know how any Spurs fan and anyone can look at that evening and think Spurs came out looking good. Firstly, you have two players sent off, one of whom has a track record of getting himself sent off and you've now lost him for potentially three games. You've got an injury to James Madison. You've got an in a James Madison injury. It could be absolutely costly and really derail Spurs attacking plans as well. Van der Ven, so you've got both your main starting centre-backs are now out for at least a month maybe a little bit less maybe for Romero if it's only three games so you've got to deal with that and as well the the tactical setup was so bad in that second half you know I gave them a little bit of credit in the fact that yeah it, and I do kind of understand from a fan emotional fan point of view you sometimes would rather see your team go down swinging then just accept defeat very meekly. And that isn't very enjoyable as a fan. But if you're coming up against the Chelsea side, I know, and probably most people should know, we are absolutely terrible breaking down low blocks. And the idea that you just give Chelsea time after time that space and opportunity and that just a present to go one-on-one -on -one with your keeper, even though Chelsea are bad, they eventually did take those ch chances in front of goal. Like we still are talking about high level footballers and it was just, I mean, it was almost FIFA-esque, the defending. And, you know, if that's going to be the approach of Ange uh, Postacoglu for the rest of the season, I think Spurs could be in some trouble, especially if they don't have key players available and teams start to figure out that they are so exposed. I know nine men is obviously not a regular occurrence, but in terms of that high line that's already been exposed so far this season and you don't have maybe... Son firing on all cylinders and you don't have James Madison and you don't have other players it's it, there is a fragility there that Chelsea exposed and I don't think it speaks very well to a coach reacting in a situation and maybe adapting to it to try and get the best result it looked to me like just a little bit naive and I think it cost them dearly in the end and now that's going to have an impact on them for the rest of the season is obviously going to be of interest um, to a lot of people. But the concept, I saw the Athletic podcast, are Spurs the real winners? On, I mean, what is this? This is not, it's like football intellectualism going all the way around, uh, not even all the way around, going to a point where 
we're just saying dumb things. It's like last year when people were trying to argue throughout the course of the season that somehow Manchester City were worse off because they had Erling Haaland banging in 40 goals up front. It just doesn't make sense. I know we like to, and I like to, break down the game, to talk about it in depth, to think about it in maybe new and interesting ways. But this ain't new and interesting ways. Spurs lost 4-1 on Monday. They got absolutely battered at their home ground. They imploded. There's, there's no need to pseudo-intellectualize this. It's just, it's it's simple. And it's not that there is absolutely nothing that a Spurs fan could take from Monday in a sense that, yeah, sure, the team still tried their best to get back into the game. But the idea that Spurs won, the idea that Monday was a positive evening for Spurs is absolutely farcical. And and maybe as well reflects the, the difference in mentality between both clubs in the sense that Spurs are even putting out videos, you know, on their socials kind of praising this performance of losing 4-1 to a bit of rival at home. Whilst Chelsea fans, including myself, are kind of, we have some criticism of Monday, even though there's a lot to be positive about. I think it just speaks volumes of the two different expectation levels that somehow you've gone down in glorious defeat despite the fact that you imploded at home after being 1-0 up very early on and you had two players sent off and you were exposed tactically. That is not a good evening. That's not something to be proud of. And um, yeah, I just, I the idea that, that we're supposed to now like accept this as some kind of idea and this is, you know, losing in this fashion is some great victory is just absolutely ludicrous. So those are my thoughts today. Let me know yours in the comments below. You can follow me across the socials at Son of Chelsea and I will see you again very soon. All the best. Podcast Network.